0: Right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Like a Bigfoot podcast. I'm your host, Chris Ward. I'm so excited for this week's episode. I feel like I say that every week, but I am. <laughs> I think it's just I'm an excitable person. You know what I mean? Like, I'm always excited. It's why all my text messages annoyingly have exclamation points at the end. Um, anyways, I am really excited because I'm reconnecting with Candace Burt who's the race director for uh, the Bigfoot 200, the Tahoe 200, and just a little event called the Moab 240, which I mean, just 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 40 more miles than a regular 200, you know, no big deal. Um, but she is also just an incredible ultra runner in her own right. And recently she wrote this wonderful, race report on her website her blog uh, wild defined um it was about her her real adversity that she faced at the hurt 100 and um it just inspired me it was really raw and honest and she ended up dnfing about mile 40 ish um and i just i really think it's important for ultra runners And athletes of all sorts to not only share their accomplishments, but just be real and share the moments where they didn't necessarily live up to um, the goals they had set to themselves. Like, how do you respond to that? Do you let it break you? Do you let it define you? Do you just kind of contemplate it for a few days and then move on? You know, are you learning from the experience or are you really letting it kind of bum you out and really affect you like it's it's fascinating so I wanted to ask her all those questions and and we had a really cool interesting conversation about it um also (laughs) there in the middle in the midst of the hurt 100 there was this just bizarre situation where people in Hawaii got a text message that said there was a ballistic missile coming towards Hawaii and You know, I mean, I talked to one of my students, actually, she's a seventh grader and she was in Hawaii for that uh, for vacation. And I had talked to her about it this morning. I'm like, were you like, how'd you handle that? You know, getting that text message like, did your parents tell you, did it freak you out? Um, You know, things like that. And in the midst of the Hurt 100 for Candice, she got this weird situation where, you know, they... They thought there was an op- There was a chance that a missile was coming towards them. Like, that hopefully will never, ever happen in an ultra run again. And it's just, it's fascinating. It was just a really weird, weird obstacle <laughs> in an event where you're expecting weird obstacles. But then all of a sudden, one comes out of nowhere. It's like, oh, man, now I have to, like, you know, try to process this and try to, like, I guess, overcome or... I don't know. So, anyways, we do talk a little bit about that as well. Um, Candice is kind of, I, I, I guess, like I am just so excited to have her back on the show because, in my opinion, she's one of the one of those people that really just just defines the like a bigfoot mindset and mentality and kind of the things i'm trying to promote for this podcast she like totally represents all of them i mean hard work um you know stoicism almost putting in putting in the effort and the time and setting these almost seemingly insane goals and just just breaking everybody's expectations like it's it's so cool and um she's just awesome she's She's really been one of my favorite people to talk to on the podcast. So uh, very excited to have her back today. Super excited to share her uh, Hurt 100 race report. And then we kind of just talk about 2017 almost being the rise of the 200s and how it's gotten into public consciousness. And And uh, we talk a bit about Courtney DeWalter's insane race Um, at the Moab 200 or 240 (laughs) where she just blew everybody out of the water is crazy and then we even talk I mean she gives a shout out to uh to uh Sean who got second place and how how he had done a 200 a a few weeks earlier and a hundred in between those 200s it's just it's mind-blowing the 200 mile races fascinate me they're they're kind of the uh just the essence of adventure and you know I think a lot of people get into ultra running to have these adventures and the 200 is just kind of the pinnacle of what those adventures could be um, so it's super cool uh, I, I highly recommend that you kind of follow Follow Candice on not only social media but her blog, which it, once again is called Wild Defined. She has so many really excellent posts and really well-written kind of thoughts and race reports and all sorts of stuff. is really super cool. Um, on social media, Instagram uh, is Run Candice Run, um, and she posts on there, and it's super inspiring. One of those people that. You know, I'm sure, you know, she's in the top, like, 1% of people who spend their time in the wilderness. Uh, she's out there quite often, especially when she's exploring um, for new race courses and also when she's out there kind of setting up for her her bigger events in the summer. Um You can also... Look for any of her events, sign up for them at DestinationTrailRun.com. Um, she has all sorts of races, so if you're like, yeah, 200, you know, sounds a bit <laughs> a bit too far for me, <laughs> uh, you know, she has all sorts of stuff, All everything from half marathons, 20 milers, 40 milers, 100Ks, uh, 50 milers, things like that, so... Just a, a wide variety. So that's DestinationTrailRun.com. Um, yeah, if you guys enjoy this episode and this is your first Like a Bigfoot podcast ever, I would really highly suggest looking at our catalog of guests. I mean, this is going to be number 78, so we have 77 other episodes, and I guarantee you there's going to be something in there that interests you. Everything from ultra running to through hiking. Um, we have a few 200-miler folks on there, uh, different authors, outdoor authors, uh, people, ultra cycling, mountain biking, uh, ultra obstacle courses, all that fun stuff. So feel free to go through, check them out. Um, Candace's first episode was number 37. Uh, so you can go back and listen to that one too. Um, yeah. And if you, if you really want to support us, you can go on iTunes, subscribe, write us a quick review. It only takes like Five seconds out of your day. Uh, give me some feedback, tell me how I'm doing. That would rock. Uh, that's iTunes. Look up like a bigfoot on there. And uh yeah, you can follow us on social media at Like a Bigfoot on all the fun social media stuff. All right, let's get after it. This is the Like a Bigfoot podcast, number seventy-eight with Candace Burt. Enjoy, guys. All right guys, this week I am welcoming back one of my favorite guests that we've had on the show, um Candace Burt. And Candace, I wanted to have you on because you just wrote this like really wonderful race report. Um, that I'm sure was like super difficult for you to write because the race didn't necessarily go the way you wanted it to, but but yeah, so I kind of want to hear about your experience doing the Hurt 100 this year.
1: Yeah. Thanks for having me on, Chris. Um, it's always fun to talk to you and catch up. Um, yeah. So I ran, uh, the hurt 100 last, uh, um, let's see, it was January 13th and, um, I felt more prepared than ever. So I went into it, um, a little bit more confident maybe than I should have been. And, (laughs) um, my training had been going really well. Um, so I was excited to actually start it for my fifth time. I have finished it three times and wow. I've DNF'd once. Yeah. So, and it's a, it's a hard hundred.
0: It's known as I one of the hardest there ones, on the tr- right? Like it's one of the harder yes. 100s.
1: It, it really is. Um, I've done a number of hundreds and um, it's not, uh, it's not like a high altitude mountain kind of hundred, but you do, you're constantly climbing in the jungle in Hawaii. And um, there's just, it's just the tech most technical course I've ever been on um, almost every step, you know, it's roots or rocks or slippery, or you're dodging people who are coming up the trail. <laughs> <It's> just, <laughs> it, it really starts to wear on you. And I'd forgotten um, somehow I'd forgotten. I took a year off from the race last year and I'd forgotten how difficult it was, and I got back and, and you know the race started, and I was like, "Whoa, <laughs>
2: yeah. here
1: we go." Um, yeah, so I think in some ways it's good to never um, to never underestimate a race. Um, so the more we do something, the more complacent we get. Um, so even though my training was good, I should have done a few things a little differently, I think, looking back, but I ended up DNFing at. Uh, mile. Uh, well, I, I, was about 43 miles in, um, and it was super disappointing. Cause I, I had hoped to have another finish and I'd worked so hard. I signed up last summer, but I've been planning to do it for a long time. So it was definitely a big disappointment. Yeah. Um, but I'm a race director as well. So I feel like from the point of view of a race director, it's good to see how it feels, you know, when you, my athletes who run my races get DNFs, um, cause, you know, it's, it's, I think it's good to be able to be compassionate toward every kind of finish or, or non finish, partial finish. <laughs>
0: yeah. Yeah. So, like, what did you learn about that? Like, how, how did people, I mean, there's so many ways I want to take the conversation about this race, but like, how did yeah. people who are working the race kind of react and treat you when you chose to DNF?
1: Well, I had, um, I had uh, my good friend, Catra Corbett, was out there. Um, A lot of people know her as the Dirt Diva um, and on social media and stuff. And and she just, I look up to her so much. And so she was there as my crew and was going to pace me on the last two 20-mile loops. And um, so really she was the first one I interacted with at mile 40 about quitting. And and, um, I'm pretty headstrong, so I I knew um, based on how I'd been feeling. I had severe nausea um which had been contributing to like my inability to eat which I'm not very good at eating doing these ultras anyway. Yeah. Um and that's that's sort of something that anybody who wants to be good at ultras needs to get good at eating when they run. Yeah. Um, so train I yourself have to, keep to eat. On that, but... <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but she 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 looked at me when I told her because i I'd been sitting there for a while trying to get some soup down and I I made her cry, and I felt so oh. bad. <laughs> and she, yeah, she was just so heartbroken because she knew how much it meant to me. And um, you know, it wasn't that she was disappointed in me for herself, but she knew how much I wanted it. And so she said, "Well, you need to go to the next aid station, and and if you're going to drop, drop there." And I was like, "Ah, I know you're right." So I I headed out. Um, I figured I owed it to her you know, we were a team and, and I did feel like I was letting her down a little bit as well as, you know, myself, my training, my coach, all that. So I head back up the hill and I was able to get a couple small cups of soup in and, um, I just got more and more nauseous and I was sitting down and it just, you know, I'm, I'm a competitive runner. I'm not yeah. doing it solely for finish. So I know that we all do it for different reasons, but, um, probably more than should have been my reasoning with competitiveness. So it was really hard mentally to be sitting down and feeling that awful and not being able to, you know, move well. So I I got to the top and I just knew I might not make it to the next aid station. It was two miles up or a mile and a half up. And so I texted her and luckily she's still in range and she, uh, I did a short, I knew a shortcut. So I went back down to the last aid station. I basically did a small loop within loop and um uh the the aid station you know they they understand they didn't they didn't try to push me or anything um but i did have to tell one of the race directors and i always feel so bad because it's a lottery race and you know you don't want to let anybody else down it's hard enough to let yourself and your training down but to um you know disappoint or you know hurt hurt the race in some way Uh, you know what i mean like that that not finishing can feel like you're letting the whole world down, even though really probably only a few people care. Well, it's also like, like nobody really cares.
0: yeah, they, they probably, I mean, they understand that that happens and some people just have a day that doesn't work out for them, you know?
1: Yes. Yes. And some people who, um, you know, their of what they're willing to deal with, within that race is different if this it isn't the first time I'd ever done the race um I'm sure I would have you know tried to push through it and and just get that finish and and do that but um but I guess having been there so many times I really I really was hoping for a PR and I was hoping to have a stronger run um and I think that's okay I mean to, to use races as different kinds of goals is good and so sometimes you know it's good to be um, easy on people who are trying to maybe you know do a fast time and that's their goal and it's okay if it doesn't work out but for me I had last summer I had some really severe abdominal pain racing and um, so it, I worried that it would turn into that. Uh, I almost had to be hospitalized. I would have been if, if they basically raced you don't have to go to hospital now or you're out of the race. <laughs> I said, well, doesn't that mean, it- yeah. I was like, doesn't that mean I'm out of the race either way? They're like, yeah. <laughs> so, um, and it was just severe abdominal pain and it started with nausea like this. And I thought with 60 more miles, you know, it was, it just seemed like um a bad idea. And so. Yeah. yeah. I mean, any DNF, I think there's a lot of factors. It's like, well, which which excuse do you want to hear? Because I have a hundred, <laughs> something yeah. like that. Yeah, that makes <laughs> That's sense. How it goes
0: when you so there's something yeah. in your race report about that abdominal pain um, at the desert rats, yes. which I did the mountain rats, uh, same company I think. I uh, did that this fall. Yeah, it is. Um, but anyway, so you said something about your blood pressure was measured as sixty over question mark.
1: Yes, <laughs> like yeah, I can't I, wrap my head around so that. <laughs> they, I know, I know. It's uh, it's it's actually um, it was so low I was in danger of my brain not working properly. <sighs> I mean, it probably wasn't working properly that low. I have naturally low blood pressure, um, like I've passed out and stuff like that before, and so I think I, I'm honestly I don't know what was happening. In a way, I wish I had gone to the hospital. I think I was severely dehydrated um, and it was just, that was a stage race. We, act, we were running in 120 degree heat oh. um, for, I think that was the third day. Yeah. And it just, even at night we couldn't cool off. It was just so hot um, and, and it caught up with me. One guy on, I think it was the the third day or the second day. Um, he had heat stroke and an older, older gentleman and, um, he had to get pulled out of the race too. So they have a great medical team, but it's definitely heat is a huge challenge there. And at Hurt, it is as well, but it's a different kind of, it's a very humid kind of heat. So you sweat a lot. You lose a lot of moisture through sweating.
0: Yeah. Whereas like the desert, obviously the dry yeah. heat, like how how does that feel yeah. different?
1: Well, you can certainly tolerate a higher temperature in the dry heat. Um, and what I would do to manage it is keep water all over as many surfaces of my body as I could in the dry heat to, um, to create like an air conditioning effect so that when the wind would, um, touch your skin, it would create a slight cooling. I was, um, concerned about getting dehydrated there, but each day the runs are shorter. Uh, there's only, let's see, there's one ultra day, maybe two ultra days within the, four or five days you do of running so ultimately you would finish and have enough time to recover whereas you know a 100 mile race definitely puts more pressure on all your systems yeah. in, in that kind of heat environment yeah so it's gives you more time to recover with these shorter ones
0: yeah but, definitely well it's um, definitely something you probably wanted to avoid happening again because that sounds really yes, intense absolutely <laughs>
1: Yeah. Yeah. And like I said, it it would have been nice to have gone to the hospital at that time to see what was Mm, going on because um, that might have given. Yeah. I, you know, I was in a situation, I had my kids out there and we had an RV. Um, We were camping with the race, but I didn't want to haul everybody to the hospital and create some big to do. Um, It was, it was late. It was like 10 PM. So, (laughs) and I knew I've had trouble Standing up after ultras because of the low blood pressure, so I sort of felt like it was something I could recover from. Handle,
0: yeah. Well, it would, yeah, because it would be it would be an intense moment for your kids, and if you know, as a parent, it's like if you can avoid that at all costs, you will try.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I think you know, it, it sounds sort of messed up listening to myself say this, but you know, we, uh, ultra runners have a different level of what's normal. And so if I went to the hospital, I think they might freak out. Yeah. <laughs> Whereas I'd be like, well, you know, I felt, I felt pretty bad like this before and, and been fine. <laughs> so, um, you know, luckily I still have kidneys and, and all that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but, the race, you know, made the right decision to to pull me out, even though that was disappointing as well. Yeah. So I'm on a roll. Yeah, <laughs> right yeah, yeah.
0: I know, I know. It's uh, and that's why, like, even reaching out, I was like, she like? I, I hope she's not like." Of course, he wants me to talk about my DNF, but <laughs> I feel like <laughs> yeah. I know. I just feel like it's it is a brave thing writing about the dnf too and probably for you to just like digest your experience with it but it's also important for people to report out on this stuff so you know other ultra runners can read from it and learn from it
1: yeah and and i think you hear a lot of people say that you learn more from from your failures and your your DNFs and and that kind of thing. And by failure, I don't mean to put a judgment on it. It was a failure based on my goal going into it. Um, But, you know, I'm not beating myself up about it. Um, But I did, I learned so much. And ultimately, bone's not sticking out of your skin or you're not um, throwing up so much that you really can't take anything in. You know, it's a a mental failure in a lot of ways. Um, and, And I'll be the first to admit that, you know, there's a lot of reasons I quit, but when it comes down to it, um, I think building up your, your mental muscle in, in regards to what you're going to experience in each event, in this case, you know, in hurt, um, preparing myself a little more mentally for how technical it really was. And I should have known, you know, of all people having done it four times, (laughs) like I should have, should have, sort of known and, and prepared myself a little more mentally. And that's what your training does leading up to it and doing training that's very similar to the race. That's, that gets you mentally prepared, making sure that your long training run is long enough. So you have the confidence. Um, I'd been, another thing was, and, and my coach pointed out this later, he's like, you know, you had injuries the whole time training up to it. Your body was saying it did you know, it wasn't ready. It, it, it was basically telling you not to do it and, and, you know, I was too stubborn and I was going to start that race no matter what. But I, I still have this hamstring injury. And then I um, separated my AC joint in my shoulder wow. just like a week before the race. Um, and it still hurts. Yeah. <laughs> so it was like I had all these weird little things that that were hurting. And I, I just had to um, suck it up. And I, I think I didn't really look at the whole picture beforehand. If I had, I might have realized I wasn't mentally prepared. Um, so because of the injuries, I, I think what I was getting at with that is that I, di- I didn't get over a 50K in in training long distance. I had some multi-days that were like a marathon, 20 mile, 10 mile, um, all in a row, but nothing. I, I really like to get a 50 miler or, yeah. or two. It's like confidence booster. yeah. Such a confidence booster and with a really tough 100 miler where you're going to be out there where the elites are, are basically the only ones who get under 30 hours. Like you have to have time on your feet. <laughs> yeah. So I had like I'd done a 50K in five and a half hours. So we're talking about potentially another 25 hours or 20 hours or something like that on the trail than what I trained for. So, you know, wasn't ideal.
0: Yeah. Definitely not. <laughs> yeah. Well, and I've, you know, with the injury thing where you're kind of like, uh, it's just hard because sometimes you're like, is is this soreness or is this an injury? Like what's the difference between the two and which one should I push through and which one should I actually stop and like let my body recover from?
1: Yeah, it's true. Um, there, it's it, it can be a fine line, especially if you're trying to really reach – your potential each day and each week. Um, and, and different people's bodies need different rest. You know, you see, um, like Courtney, Courtney, uh, DeWalter who, you know, she just won the Moab two hundred and forty, and and she's just been on fire. Um, she's doing all these races and, um, you know, at, at a level that would break, I can't even think of another runner, besides maybe Michael Wardian. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's just, it's like the number of races she's doing Camille Heron has also done a lot of, um, high level races. And so, you know, will, will they fizzle out because they're doing too much? I certainly hope not because it's super inspiring to see what they're doing, but I, I can't imagine doing the sheer amount of, you know, Oh, a hundred mile record here, a 24 hour record there. <laughs> it's like a, for most ultra runners that, that eventually catches up to you. Yeah. And, um, you know it's it's a fire
0: fire can burn out (laughs) if you're not careful yeah definitely well and then i i did want to talk about that at some point like since you are the race director for all these 200 mile races and you're seeing all these people just accomplish this insane thing that you thought up (laughs) by the way um um, like that's right (laughs) (laughs) does that like make you like it's just hard because you you I always find myself comparing myself to other people at times and I just feel like it would be really hard to be surrounded by yeah. people doing 200 mile races and then being like oh now I have to like up my ante
1: yeah I, I I know exactly what you're saying and and I did feel a little bit of pressure at the hurt 100 even just I thought a little bit about some of the amazing performances and and sort of the torture I put other runners through. <laughs> I mean, not like I didn't make anybody run the race, but you know, I I get a lot of people saying like, you know, thanks a lot. Thanks, yeah, <laughs> <You> thanks. <know>? <laughs> just, just... <laughs> so so it was, I do think, especially in ultras, the 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 main thing you know, never give up. You know, always keep pushing keep going unless, you know, unless you lose your leg, like that mentality, it's really difficult to say, no, I'm done. I, and because we train, we're trying to train ourselves to to not even have those words in that vocabulary. Like I quit, I'm done. Yeah. And, you know, um, and yeah. And so it's like, you do feel a little more um, like a failure, I think, <laughs> when, when you consider that, but in some way, and I saw somebody post about, you know, it was somebody who finished the Hurt 100. It was it was her crew about how, you know, she had pushed through a tough race to the finish and, and that that was a lot harder than quitting. And I thought a lot about that because I don't think it's always true. I mean, pain is temporary and um, sometimes making that decision to quit, I do think is harder than suffering for another 10, 15 hours or yeah, because um, you suffer with a DNF for possibly the rest of your life yeah. <laughs> you know, like, however law for you know you got to make sure that you you really that that's the right decision for you um and I always feel that way when I DNF I always make sure it's the right decision but it doesn't make it any easier or it doesn't make me feel any less like a wimp or you know whatever the, the things that I may think in my own head um, about myself, but I try, you know, I try not to be too hard. Yeah. There's always yeah. something coming up too.
0: Exactly. Cause then at a certain point you just kind of have to be like, okay, I learned my lessons from this and now I have to just kind of like, let it go.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Cause it's, you know, one of the cool things I brought up Camille again, like what she was doing last year, she, she had such an amazing year and she got ultra runner of the year based on all her performances and she had some really high level DNFs, and i thought good for her like yeah. it seemed like she could just let it go she'd start the race and something would come up and then she would save herself for the for the next thing knowing it wasn't her day or um you know she dnf'd out of western states pretty early on and and stuff like that and so she had these major DNFs. It must have been so disappointing and yet she just kept a really bright face um, on social media. And, and certainly me with like my blog, I, I always feel like it's important to be honest and because yeah. I'm pretty much writing it for myself. So I like to um, explore the deeper feelings that I'm feeling. But I appreciated her positivity. You know, she didn't seem like she was wallowing in self-pity or, you yeah. know, worrying yeah. too much about it.
0: Yeah. Speaking of the blog, there there was a moment that might've been like the weird it, it, no, it was the weirdest obstacle in ultra running history. And that's, <laughs> you put a picture up of a <laughs> cell phone emergency alert of the, uh, missile threat coming to Hawaii when, when everyone thought a ballistic missile was about to hit Hawaii. <laughs> yeah.
1: What was that yeah,
0: like? Was fun. That's crazy.
1: <laughs> oh, it was totally crazy. I mean, I didn't know that, that, I'm pretty sure that people who live in the state of Hawaii were aware that that, you know, they might have a drill or something like that. But I had no idea uh, yeah. about anything like that. And so, yes, yeah, so I actually was running down toward Nuanu aid station and Avery Collins, who ended up winning the race. There's a little out and back on that section. He's coming up the hill and he he said something. And the guy in front of me, we both were like, what did he say? Because he looked he had the weirdest look on his face. And the next guy coming up told us, oh, you know, there's a missile coming to hit Hawaii. And I was like, what? <laughs> You're crazy. What? Like it, just didn't, it seemed like, yeah. It, you know, so another runner told us. And so I'm running down to the aid station thinking, oh, maybe I won't have to finish this race. overall. <laughs> <laughs> maybe <I'll> die. Wow. <laughs> it's like, maybe I'll break my leg. Yeah. No. I know. Yeah. So it was just this weird, I, I guess if I had been in a store, um, because what happened is everybody got like one of those Amber alert kind of things to their phone. So literally catcher was in, she told me she was in Starbucks and she, everybody looked at their phone and then freaked out, you know, like people are just like going to their cars and, you know, the highways are jammed. and So I think being on the trail, it just didn't feel as real. It, yeah. it seemed like it could be, a weird joke or a mistake or yeah. something more than um, when everybody's panicking around you. Um, oh. And then by the time we got to the aid station, they knew it was um, not, uh, you know, it wasn't a real threat. So, but then you start to really think about it, you know, what, what would you do? And, yeah. and you know, would you survive? So, yeah, yeah it was, it was definitely a, a weird thing to think about. I mean, you, you've had
0: to hear like, you've had to have moments in a hundred mile races or moments, you know, doing your 200 mile races where people are saying some like really wacky shit, but that has to be yeah. up there. <laughs> like the someone running by and yeah, like, Hey yeah. man, there's like a ballistic missile coming.
1: Uh, yeah, yeah, that was <laughs> up there. It probably will never, I hope it never happens again. Yeah. Um, yeah, it, it was unique. I mean, usually race directing, um, when you hear something weird, somebody's hallucinating. We have runners come into the, the finish line or I'll see them at an aid station. And and they just, you know, you're just like, whoa, 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 whoa. A bear jumped out of the woods and chased you down the trail to hear, I mean, I don't see a bear right now. I think you're okay. <laughs> <laughs> just weird stuff like that. Yeah. Or I got I got a call from a runner um, during the Tahoe 200 and they're like, "Hey, uh, there's a bear on the trail over here." I was like, "Okay." And they're like, um, "I just thought you might want to let the Forest Service know." I was like, "All right, I'll let them know. There's there's bears out there. Be careful." <laughs> you know, it was like there. It was just one of those moments. That wasn't the exact conversation where I just got a kick out of, um, you know, the, getting a call uh, from a runner about something that you know. I'm on the other side of the lake. I can't go scare the bear away for them, but it was just yeah. funny.
0: Yeah, moment. That's Funny. Well, I'm, and you've obviously had wildlife encounters, so you're probably I don't know. Are you probably a bit more comfortable with, especially bears? You know, because yeah. I had I had this guy on the podcast. Um, his name was James Campbell, and he said something that made me laugh so hard because he had done this like canoe trip in Alaska in the Arctic. And he was basically like, you know, uh grizzly bears, you don't you don't have to be scared of grizzly bears. They're not scary. He's like polar bears though. And I'm like, "Damn, they are like levels to bears." <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah. Well, I I have heard that as well. Um but personally, I I would be very scared to see a grizzly. Um That's what I was we saying. We just have, you know, the places I run, black bears. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's why it was so so crazy to hear him say that. I'm sure but yeah,
0: polar bear would be pretty scary too. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Well, uh so I I definitely wanted to to catch up with you because since we last talked, you know, you had your summer of race directing the three first time I think you did the three two hundred mile races, and it just felt like this year was really like the rise of the two hundreds and the popularity of them has really really kind of exploded, it seems.
1: Yeah, yeah, it it has. And, and I got that feeling, too. We finally, for the first time, um, got much higher numbers than we've ever had. And I was concerned that we would have lower numbers because, you know, sometimes when you add in such a niche market as 200 yeah. miles, you know, we already have two, we already had two 200s that we've been organizing for a few years. We add a new one. And then are we going to see our numbers drop in the older 200s as you know, do we only have a limited number of people who will do this? That was the question in my mind. I thought, I'm going to do, you know, three races, which is like a lot of extra work for, you know, the same same amount of income as two. But it, it turned out we actually um, got more people for MOA. We got, oh, I think we had around 150, which is great for a first year of 200. And then, and it opened late too, because we had to make sure we were getting and then Tahoe, uh, we got over 200 people for the first time. Wow! Um, really exciting, yeah. And this year, and now we opened registration in November, and it's already sold out both Tahoe 200 and Foot 200. Um, so there's there's the wait list. So like, if any of your listeners are interested, um, the wait list, you could still you'll still get in if you get on the wait list. It's just you know we gotta wait till some spots open up. Yeah. Um, but there's not like massive number of people on the wait list yet so that's that's a good news
0: (laughs) wow well you you picked you've picked like three of the most beautiful places in the west to run a 200 mile race you know like three of the most beautiful places to explore
1: yeah it's true and for me it was the amount of work to come up with a route and um permit it and do all this kind of stuff. And I'm going to spend a lot of time out in that area. I definitely want to make sure it was something, a place, the kind of place that I would want to be in, not just, you know, a bunch of loops around um, who knows what, you know, but, but doing like a a loop 200 mile course, we are doing multiple loops just so much easier to organize. So for me, I had to, I just had to choose locations that would um, be exciting, I think. And, and also, because I see this distance, not just as 200 miles, but as a, an adventure um, yeah. from point A to point B, not, you know, more, I feel like the loop things are more of a mental challenge and, and like point to point you're talking about, um, you're going to see and experience so much within that that's outside of yourself um, and inside yourself, yeah. <laughs> the terrain is always changing. in 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 each one of the 200s and all three are like completely different too i mean they're really um totally different terrain and challenges and um yeah they're just it's it's really cool and that way they support each other i think
0: yeah oh for sure i mean yeah tahoe and then like around mount st helens and then i i just you know it's so tempting because 240 miles around moab just sounds like it sounds like a great way to be able to explore almost all of Moab.
1: Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I mean, basically once you do that race, you have a nice blueprint for any other time to go visit, yeah. you know, Moab, which for me, like that place is just so special. And, and even after you've done the race, there's so many new places to explore. Yeah. It's insane. Um, but yeah, and I think too, with the 200 miler, what's really attracting people is that, um, it's a different kind of competition. Uh, hundred miler and, and everything underneath that is still like you push, push. Whereas a two hundred, you know, you're sleeping a little and and you're eating like real food. And we'll give you a burger if you want. We'll give you, you know, a <laughs> breakfast burrito or if you're vegan, vegan food. <laughs> but if we have, you know, it's, just, it's it's more spread out and and more people are doing it for that. Mm the experience uh um and and sort of that uh, what it, what do you call it i don't know it's like it's, a, it's almost it, a spiritual journey
0: oh for sure i was gonna say like a quest you know like
2: yes exactly yeah yeah because i was is. i was I,
0: I, I will admit this i was watching lord of the rings earlier today and i was like damn i haven't watched this in a while they do a lot of trail running <laughs> all right so yeah one thing i wanted to i definitely wanted to talk to you about like when you you know organize moab and you i guess anytime you organize a race and you see the list of participants do you kind of like in your own head make predictions of who's going to you know win the race or who's going to be like in the top 10 or do you just kind of show up and like all right let's see who wins this thing (laughs)
1: that's a good question um it depends on the race um i feel like with the 200s i'm i'm always sort of looking at that um and sometimes you know the the my race crew and i will will make predictions and um and even you know bet money on it (laughs) you know make a little pot of money and (laughs) and have guesses like that we we totally do that yeah we do that with the 200s more um I organize marathons, half marathons, 50 miles. So shorter, you know, shorter races too. And I think with those, I just don't have the time as much. Um, There's not as much lead up. Yeah. So I do usually try to peek at the entrance list and see who, you know, what people do I know, which um, returnees. And I'm always interested too. I mean, for me, it's really fun to see the usual suspects and, um, you know, the, the, 200 mile crew or or with our shorter races we just have some people who who come to most of the races and so it's sort of a fun social thing to see them and greet them and yeah so it's yeah it's 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 something I like to look at but don't always
0: yeah that's cool do. yeah that's I mean that's something yeah. that, like if people <laughs> haven't ever been to an ultra an ultra race before, like before the community is so great. And just everyone's so unbelievably nice. And, you know, you see the same people, you know, at every race. Like I remember in Virginia, I saw the same dude every single time I did one of the races. And I was like, Hey, man, <laughs> you kind of, oh, like cool, <laughs> you know?
1: Yeah. Yeah. It becomes sort of like your yearly get together um, with certain people and um, yeah, so I know in Washington State, you know, living out there, there was just the usual people you get to see at the events. And um, and that's that's definitely at least half the fun of it is that community. Oh, but the back to the question, though, about making um, guesses and stuff. I just remembered, so at Moab, we actually, our big bet was as to what the drop rate would be. Ooh. Um, because... Yeah. So this is what was most interesting to us. So we all made a bet. We all put in $20 and, and, um, everybody lost by a lot. Cause we all thought there'd be a huge drop rate. Cause it's, you know, it's like almost 40 miles longer than 200 miles and, yeah. and it's yeah. super tough, you know, just, just in that, like. The distances between eight are similar to our other 200s, but there's no streams or anything to fill up your water. You're going to have to carry a little bit more than you would for one of the other 200s. Um, but our finish rate ended up being pretty good. Like, I think it was in the low 70%, which is high. That's so <laughs> such high. That's a hard
0: rate. That's unbelievable. Yeah,
1: it's crazy. I know. Yeah. So every one of my runners can look at me and go, ha, yeah, I finished and You can't, <laughs> at least with my latest race, but yeah. I, I have a lot of respect for these people. I'm not sure. Um, it's just, a, it's almost like a different breed of, of runner or, or, you know, it's a type of thing where I think you're committed to doing the 200 for so long when you're actually doing it, you know, you, you, um, have more of a desire to finish because it's something really special
0: yeah yeah what's uh what's like what was the last place finish time in moab like how because that person has to be just their own brand of badass
1: <laughs> yeah right that's the most badass of all yeah we actually had a guy who made it through the last eight station, but he didn't make the cutoff for the finish line oh. um so yeah, um, so he was over 112 hours, so it would have been, I think it was around 113, something. Um, let me look. Wow. Oh, yeah, so he was 113 hours and 18 minutes. Oh my and God. then we had, he was number, yeah, just amazing. Um, And then um, the guy before him was 110 hours and 49 Jeez. minutes.
0: That's um, so crazy. Yeah, so I, yeah. that,
1: yeah. It is.
0: I wrote down a question that was just, how do people look at the last aid station before finishing?
1: (laughs) (laughs) Pretty surprisingly good, but tired. Usually people, yeah, they look pretty tired, but I think, um, and I actually saw a lot of them because our headquarters, we had to move to that location because we weren't getting proper internet. And so I saw a lot of people there. Um, But I remember... I I saw Sean who ended up winning the men's race. Um, I remember he seemed really out of it, but sort of like on that little bit of a high that he was almost done, kind yeah. of a thing. You know, you see the person's energized by almost being done. But he doesn't sleep the whole time, so oh um, yeah, I'm sure he was a little out of it. Yeah, and then at the finish line, definitely people. Um, you know, sometimes you just have to grin and nod because they're they they don't quite. I don't know. <laughs> they doesn't quite make sense. <laughs> you have to be there,, uh, yeah. but they're just so tired. some of them some of them are a little like out of it, yeah, um, you know, I usually say congratulations and give them a minute to take it all in because they just made it, you know, two hundred and some miles. and you know, it's like,, whew, it's amazing. Yeah. <laughs> it's truly yeah. amazing,
0: definitely. So when you're looking at the list of people and you see courtney Dewalter, like did you have any idea that she was just gonna have this amazing unbelievable run where she beats the first place guy by like 10 hours
1: yeah so um i didn't realize who she was until after run rabbit run which was in yeah. early september um and she'd been signed up for moab since it opened um, and after that, I was like, oh, Courtney, I was like, oh, she's in my race. And then I I thought, my first thought was, she's going to win overall, possibly. This might be the first time that we have a woman win overall, because women um, have traditionally done really well place-wise, like overall in these 200s. Um, I think that, you know, sometimes our um, the difference between men and women in, in a race that long, it, it's it's less so, um, less obvious. And so, um, I thought I actually told people that I thought she might win overall. Um, and our male winner, Sean, who was 10 hours behind her. Um, the the crazy thing is that he just won the Tahoe 200, like a month before and he set a course, he set a course record. And so nobody talked about that, but he actually, and, and he did a hundred mile race between setting the Tahoe 200 course record <laughs> and the Moab 240. That's so insane. he wasn't rested. Yeah, <laughs> but he's crazy like that. Yeah, <laughs> these are these are, these, are these kind of people. Like you look at what they do, and it's just fascinating because they have so many interesting. Everybody who's doing the 200, I, I'll tell you, it has some sort of interesting story. That's what I'm tell. saying. Like That's I've
0: sure. I've talked to a few people on the podcast. um, who've want like attempted the 200s and did the 200s and I'm like yeah you're right like every single person goes into it with an interesting story but then every person leaves with just as interesting <laughs> of a story you know
1: absolutely yeah I love hearing those stories at the finish line too like what what people experienced and what they went through and yeah what what they saw that wasn't really the you
0: know the hallucination crazy yeah that's super cool that's super cool but yeah like have you ever
1: hallucinated
0: i have not hallucinated i i'll be honest my uh longest distance is 50 miles i've done a couple 50 milers um i'm thinking about signing up for the never never summer 100k um at the end of july so when's that oh okay yeah like it's like northern colorado um never summer mountain range uh but it's intimidating like even that jump up from 50 miles to like adding like 13 or 12 or 13 more miles is is isn't intimidating because i just remember how shitty i felt after 50 and i'm like whoa people go longer than this
1: (laughs) yeah well the 100 i feel like 100k is one of the hardest ultra distances out there because it it like you said it's that much longer and you're still racing it about the same pace as a fifty miler. So, um, it, you know it's yeah that's a really hard distance. I have not had a lot of success at hundred k. Yeah, <laughs> a lot more at, at the hundred mile. It's sort of like you have more time to work with with the hundred mile. I think yeah sort of settle into a pace.
0: Definitely.
1: But yeah, that Colorado though. I mean you can't go wrong with that's a new race right.
0: I think they did it last year. I know that, but I don't know much about it, to be honest. Um, okay. One of my buddies did it last year. so, um, cool. But it, it just works out with my schedule. I'm a teacher, so I get the summers off. So it's at the end of July, and I'm like, oh, sweet. That would be perfect. But Perfect, but yeah. We, yeah. You can take a little more time. Now I feel like I'm talking about it on the podcast. Like I kind of have to sign up, so... <laughs> You're
1: not signed up yet? No, I said I was thinking about signing up. (laughs) Um, Oh, okay, 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 gotcha.
0: But both times I've talked to you so far, I'm like, yeah, 200 sounds pretty, sounds like a good idea. (laughs) Someday, for sure. You
1: know, it's I don't think of it as like, oh, it's that much harder than a 50 mile because it's so much longer. But it's just different, you know, because you with a 200, you think about it as, I'm going to be running for four days. And you know, fifty miles like you know I'm gonna be racing fifty miles, two hundred's just yeah, it's just it's just a multi day kind of thing. I don't know, it's yeah, I've talked to a lot of people about about the you know experience of the two hundred and and I almost feel like we we need to reclassify it as a whole new, yeah sport,
0: yeah, no, that totally <laughs> makes sense to me, yeah,
1: yeah. But for now we'll bundle it under ultra running, but it is, it is definitely different. Although I think, you know, people like Courtney and, and Sean and, you know, those fast runners are certainly bringing it into ultra running range with their, their times. Holy cow.
0: Yeah. Which is so crazy. I mean, so I guess the thing with, especially the Moab uh, it just seemed that the stories from that captured the imagination of people, you know not even in the ultra runner community because i you know i remember i'm a fan of joe rogan's podcast and then he starts talking about 200 mile races and kind of like gets kind of <laughs> yeah. he, he gets kind of like st- or like not i don't want to say obsessed but like when he becomes interested in a subject he goes like all in you know and so all of a sudden he's talking yeah, about these 200 so mile I races he'll and, do one. yeah but
1: yeah but but it is interesting you're right it's it's different than it seems from the outside so extreme that um it's one of those type of things I just think it is really interesting like you know all the documentaries on on Barkley or uh um it's just when something's different like that and and I think in a certain way any hundred mile race is also interesting in a similar way but then you bring up two hundreds and all of a sudden a hundred doesn't really seem like that much, but, uh, but it is, I mean, all those distances are, it does capture the imagination of anybody, whether they're a runner or not. Um, And I think, It's really great that it opens people's minds to what's possible because all of a sudden, you know, somebody thinking like they can do a daily five mile run, like that's not that crazy. Yeah. But you know, in some in some people's mind, it it is. So you hear about a two hundred, and then next thing you know, you're running five miles a day.
0: Yeah. No, that's (laughs) that's so true. I had a buddy who just he watched the Barkley Marathons movie like seven times. And then he's like, you know what? I can start running. I can, I can do it. If these crazy people can do this insane event.
1: Yeah. Cause a lot of people just think of running as being really hard, but the truth is it it just gets easier and easier the more you do it. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. So it's, it's cool to see people of all different levels sort of realizing that they can get into like a healthy rhythm and lifestyle.
0: Yeah, definitely. So how, how are you handling like the expansion of these 200 mile races? Cause it has to be tough directing them. And you said, I mean, they take each one has to take like an insane amount of hours just to even set up.
1: Yeah, it's true. Well, it, you know, it's stressful. Um, and, and I brought that up in my hurt 100 race report that I really didn't have a lot of mental space for Um, for the race. And, and I do believe that played into my DNF. Um, But yeah, I, you know, I have set a limit on the number of runners for a reason, um, because I think we need to make sure we offer a really quality experience um, to each and every runner. And it's important to me to be there for each and every runner. Um, So because of that, you know, it's like, you can only handle and service so many people, um, over the course of 200 miles. Again, if it was like 10, five, six loops, something like that, you could, um, it, it would just be so much easier to organize, but we're having to put stations for 200 miles, you know, yeah. track the runners for 200 miles, not just, not just one 20 mile loop, or you know, 30 mile loop or whatever, yeah. whatever is out there. So, It definitely, I I take it as a a massive responsibility that um, is always on the forefront of my mind. It's the most important thing. Um, I have a responsibility, every single one of those runners, to do the best I can as an organizer um, to get the best shirts, to get the best food, to get the best, you know, whatever it is. And so right now we're sort of figuring out what positions we need for the race because we end up needing to hire a whole crew, you know, each year for each race to track runners, to organize headquarters, to, um, to manage like all sorts of different areas of the race. We have medical director, communications director. So it's, it's really a lot more complicated than people realize. Um, and then like the Moab race has so many permits, um, Bigfoot's a little simpler. Um, but like Moab and Tahoe are more complicated and we're actually adding, one thing this year we're adding 100k and a 25k to the tahoe 200 race and oh. so that'll add a whole nother dimension yeah <laughs> yeah definitely. yeah so there you go yeah man the, i might have to
0: <laughs> that's an interesting idea we're actually i'm going out to tahoe in, yeah uh, at the end of may just uh for a vacation but but yeah oh cool nice It's make a double trip. A good
1: year to go at that time yeah it, we don't have a lot of snow, so hopefully you'll be able to run some of the trails. Normally May could be pretty snowy, but
0: oh um, yeah, I was totally going yeah. Gonna, like, so, pick your brain for Tahoe suggestions after the podcast, real quick. <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah, you should, you should. Um, yeah, so so we'll add a few, and Bigfoot's always had um, 100K in a hundred um, k and a forty mile, and then we added a twenty mile. So we're sort of we're trying to reach. You know, if crew are out for the race, then they can they can do like a shorter one or um, or just people who want to be a part of, you know, the cool experience, but do a shorter yeah. um, distance event. So we'll have some of that.
0: Well, and then you got yeah. the people but, who do but, the They do the shorter ones, but see the 200 going on. And then, you you know, once you see an event, yeah. you can kind of be like, oh, I think I might. You know, it just kind of increases that confidence that you can do it a little bit.
1: It's weird how that works. I volunteered at a 100-mile race before I'd ever done one and all of a sudden I knew I wanted to do one. I was like, "What? Yeah. Where did that <laughs> all come from? Like, what's wrong with me?" Yeah. <laughs> Didn't look like they were having that much fun, yeah. you know. But it's yeah, it does. It can rub off on you a little cuz you want you want to sort of have that challenging experience and then races are great because, you know, all the volunteers and, and the race crew and director and we're, we're all there to take care of, you know, each runner, whatever they need. And you don't get that on your day to day run, you know, not
0: usually. That's true.
1: Um, so it's sort of cool. Yeah. It's a cool way to like, you know, you train every day, but then you can, the race, you can hopefully be pampered a little bit along the way.
0: Yeah, definitely. Well, I, <laughs> you're awesome. First of all. And I think I just really like your mindset on how to, organize these events too. Like if I'm organizing an event, I'm putting my whole self into it. Like, I think that's so inspiring. Yeah. Um. What's this, is how we've kind of been wrapping up the, the show lately is just by asking the guests, like, you know, if people leave the conversation inspired to like go out and accomplish their own goals, what would be some actionable steps they can take? Um,
1: Actionable steps to take toward, toward toward a
0: goal yeah any goal any any goal any goal goal they're working towards that they might be inspired to like step up to the challenge
1: yeah i mean that's a good that's a really good question because a lot of people dream of things and never take action and um i'm one of those people who is constantly taking action yes i'm always (laughs) like what can i do so um I think for me, when I want to accomplish something, I like to sort of put it in writing. Um, And then so actually writing down, you know, what are my goals uh, maybe for the year or for running um, or for my race directing? I have all sorts of lists I'm always working on and spreadsheets. And so. Um, I would say, write it down, just make it real. Even, you know, if you have a blog or, or a social media account, you can, you can sort of make a story about it. So you're putting it out there, like, here's my goal. And, you know, sometimes putting, making things public is helpful um, in that people can, you know, keep you honest about it, but certainly don't listen to the negative feedback before you've yeah. even you know gotten to that goal because i think you know there's a lot of people out there who will try to step on your ideas and and goals and plans and um, you have to just keep that goal in mind and keep hopping over the obstacles you know yeah. <laughs> as, you, as you need to Definitely. yeah um yeah i mean i guess that would that would be my my thing that's um, awesome the running i would yeah. Yeah. For Like if somebody has a running goal, a race goal, something like that, I really recommend um, if they can get a coach. Um, there's a lot of good coaches out there right now. I think it's really helpful to have somebody giving you feedback um, based on, you know, your, what you're doing each day. Um, and not everybody likes to run that way, you know, cause you have to do a certain thing each day. But um, I found that to be really helpful, too, at least in terms of running goals, to work with somebody um,
0: respectable yeah. in, in coaching. Yeah. Who's So who's your coach? I was trying to figure that out from your blog.
1: Yeah, I, um, I use David Roach. He, Him and Megan Roach, his wife, do. So she coaches as well. Um, it's called SWAP Running. It's some work, all play. That's what it stands for, SWAP. <laughs> so if you ever see a hashtag, SWAP <laughs> That's Running. awesome. Some work, I'll play. And it's all about being like a puppy unicorn or just having fun with running. And so he he coaches a lot of amazing athletes, um, Amelia Boone and just to name one, uh, just an amazing athlete. And it's all, he just makes sure that like, if you're not having fun, none of us are getting rich off of this, even, you know, of the runners. So that's the most important thing. He's always paying attention to injuries and stuff, but there's a lot of other good coaches out there. Cause I know it can be David's pretty busy. It might be hard to get into him, but yeah. um, there are a lot of other good ones. Um, it's great that the, that whole, I think the whole coaching thing is more people are doing it. And um, yeah, if you find the right one for, for you shop around, um, I find it to be extremely helpful.
0: Definitely. Definitely. Well, Thank you so much, Candace. This is so awesome catching up, and you know, I just hope the two hundreds just kind of get bigger and bigger and bigger because I think it's such, like you said, it's such a cool event. It's like a, like an event, like an adventure that someone can go on for four four days or so. It's really really neat.
1: Yeah, and I think about it like I I set everything up for the people's adventure, you know, and yeah. then I get to like we send them mile- off. We, can, we send them off and it's like it's like we're putting on a, a play, you know, but they're the actors. And so I like to, yeah, I like to think of it as a, it really is a cool, supported adventure that, you know, you, you can go out and do. A lot of people can't go out and do their own self-supported 200-mile I mean not only is it logistically hard it's expensive and um yeah so we we're here to set up that venture for you and then um you just have to show up and hopefully train and (laughs) 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 yeah thanks (laughs) trains always good yeah thanks for having me on i i appreciate it and um it's fun talking about 200 mile races i always enjoy
0: that yeah definitely we'll have to catch up catch up again at some point in the future maybe i'll finally be convinced to sign up
1: yeah, come, come out and do one of our 100Ks um, or or one of the shorter ones or volunteer or something, and um, we'll start planting those seeds.
0: Yes, definitely. <laughs> All right, we'll catch up later. <laughs>
1: All right, thanks, Chris. Yeah, bye. All
0: right, well, that was an awesome episode of the podcast. Uh, thank you so much, Candice, for coming back on and chatting with Chatting with me and uh, yeah, hope everything goes well. I honestly, I know, like, if, like I said, if you're following her uh, social media or anything, like, you under, you kind of get an understanding of how insane it must be to plan and organize all sorts of these, you know, 200 mile races and and her other ones as well. Um, Also, while training yourself as an ultra runner. Uh, so I guess what I'm going to say is I honestly and truly hope, uh, you get some like relaxation time because man, that seems busy. So thank you, Candace. You rock. Enjoy the next few months before you have to rev back up again for all the, all the fun races next summer. Um, as I was talking to Candace, I mentioned that I have been looking at a few different races to put on my schedule schedule for the summer. And there's one called the Never Summer 100K. And I uh, spent some time today reading a couple of race reports. And I'm going to be honest with you guys. I haven't signed up yet. And the only thing that's holding me back is I'm a little intimidated by the race. Uh, a little bit of fear there. Um, you know, it's... It's in the mountains. It's rugged. Uh, It looks pretty extreme. You have 24 hours to finish, which means most likely you'll be running some of it in the dark, which, you know, as I think, as I think to it, like I run a lot of my miles in the dark, you know, either before going to work or on the weekends because I'm trying to get home in time so I can, you know, so, so running doesn't interfere with with dad time uh, with my kids and husband time with my wife Um, so I do a lot in the dark but I guess you know just trying to wrap my head around running through the night or like into the night while being exhausted is is a bit intimidating and I looked at the finish times for people for the never, uh, never (laughs) never summer 100k which has a badass name by the way that's and it's a mountain range the never summer mountain range it's just a badass mountain range name um so i looked into the finish times and like first place got 12 hours i'm like whoa that's pretty intense uh you know and then into 13 hours in the top five 14 15 hours i'm like wow it's a long time on my feet but uh but something I've always wanted to promote on the podcast is using fear to really push yourself to understand your limits and understand what you can accomplish. And you know, I on the podcast we did this event called the Monument Valley Ultras where I ran a 50 miler and I was intimidated by it. I had run 50 miles before though, so I even though I was intimidated, I kind of knew I could do it. Uh, I've never ran 100k I've ran up to 56 miles in the mount masochist 50 miler in Virginia Um, But I've never ran 100k which is like 62 ish miles, so so it's a bit intimidating Uh, But you know what? I think I'm gonna sign up. I'm gonna sign up right now So as soon as I'm done recording this I will be registered for the never summer 100k um I'm not going, I'm going to let it fuel me, let that fear actually fuel some of the training rather than let it scare me. Does that make sense? Like you can totally have fear. It doesn't necessarily mean you have to be scared. You can be intimidated, it doesn't mean you have to be scared though. So I'm totally going to sign up. I would highly suggest you guys, you know, even if, you know, outside your comfort zones to 10K or, you know, or if you're not a runner, but outside of your comfort zone is, you know, uh, like some sort of biking event or, you know, going to a yoga class for the first time, like sign up. Don't let it, don't let it scare you away. Let it intimidate you. Let it be a little fear, be a little fearful for it. Let it drive your training, but don't let it scare you away. Um, so yeah. I'm going to go sign up for that right now. And I think that's a good place to wrap up the podcast. If you guys enjoyed it, like I said, her previous episode, I'm stalling while I look for it, was number 37. Um, really enjoyable episode uh, for that one, too. We kind of just get more into, like, her background and and some of the more specifics about Tahoe and Bigfoot 200s and some of the experiences she's had with that Um Check out our other episodes, too. Seriously, if this is your first one, I know for a fact you're going to find some others that you like. So, you know, if you're a big 200 person, uh, um, you could look into we have number 47 with Ryan, who always I said his name wrong when I talked to him the second time. I said Chikusky, and I'm pretty sure it's Chakuski. So <laughs> sorry, Ryan. <laughs> uh when i have him on the third time i'll get it right third time's the charm uh so you can check out 47 he's an author he was preparing for bigfoot 200 then and then number 55 he gives his race reports and unfortunately he uh, had some crazy foot thing at like mile 100 and something had to had to drop also number 13 melissa sinclair talks about running the tahoe two or tahoe 200 um but yeah i mean beyond 200s we have all sorts of Craziness. All these guests are insane in the best ways possible. So, uh, yeah, check them out. bigfoot.com You can find us on SoundCloud, iTunes. Um, follow our Instagrams, likeAbigfoot. Twitter's likeAbigfoot. And Facebook is, spoiler alert, also likeAbigfoot. All right, who'd have thought? Um, all right, cool, guys. This is where I wrap up for the week. Uh, join us next week. We'll have someone else on. It'll be awesome. Uh, (laughs) hope you guys have a good week. See ya.